Welcome to the Running is Life podcast. I'm Coach Aaron Saft, and today I have with me my guests that finished the Brutes Challenge this year. And if you don't know what the Brutes Challenge is, stay tuned. We're going to get a deep dive into it and talk about it. Um, it's you know just to give you a brief synopsis. It's five different courses over the um, over 365 days that you have to complete. Um, the courses are here in the southeast. Um, and it's it's a really really tough courses. They're all 100k or longer. Um, but uh, Sarah Jones, Josh Nunez, and Nick Schuster, um, they all are on the podcast to talk about it. And they all finished this year. Um, some pretty incredible stories here. And I appreciate Sarah for connecting all three of us. Uh, really enjoyed hearing their stories. Uh, this conversation probably could have went on for another two hours to hear about each course uh, and their stories. But um, man, it, you know, I want to be respectful of their time as well. So, uh, but I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sarah Jones, Josh Nunez, and Nick Schuster. And I'll talk to you at the end. All right. I've got three Brute Challenge finishers with us. We're going to get into what the, the Brute Challenge is and what it entails, but I want to first get to know each of our guests, and we'll start with ladies first. So, Sarah, would you introduce yourself and where you're from and your background into life and sport, please? Um, I am Sarah Jones. I currently live in Athens, Georgia, but I'm from Ohio, and um, I didn't start running until... 2014. So that was my early 30s. Um, so very late to the, the game. And then um, I my buddy that I did a couch to 5k with was really into trail running. So he introduced me into trails and then ultras came after that. So that's, yeah, that's right on. You've had a good progression and Sarah's been on the show before. So I will uh, link that into the show notes. If you're curious about her and her adventure, that was with the uh, Fierce Dragon, right? Yeah, Crew and Celia. Yeah, Crew and Celia. Very cool. Um, I'm just going to move around the horn here. Josh, why don't you go next? Okay. Um, so I'm in Atlanta now. I grew up as a military brat, uh, so all over the place. And I got started with running, uh, doing PT training with my dad when I was in middle school back in the 80s. And uh, ran cross country in high school. Uh, graduated from college and took a few years off there, gained a bunch of weight, finally got back into it. And as I started getting back into running, that's when Born to Run came out, drank the Kool-Aid, like I got to do ultras, got to move into sandals and barefoot running. <laughs> and so I did my first 50 miler in uh, 2012 and uh, been in sandals since 2013. And uh, around 2015, I started doing just a lot of backpacking. Not a lot of running, but in um, 2021, my 50th birthday was coming up. And I was like, if I'm ever going to do 100, I better start getting back into this ultra stuff again. <laughs> and so I spent all of uh, 2022 training for uh, Cruel Jewel 100. And that's when I started looking at Brutes, too. So that's nice. kind of my background. Right on. And Sarah's finished um, 100 before. She's finished uh, Hellbender. So both of you have hundred experiences. Um, Nick, how about yourself? Oh, good, uh, good day. Thanks for having me on the show. This is pretty exciting. <laughs> My first podcast, so I'm going to totally butcher this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I guess my story is kind of similar to, to Sarah and Josh in the sense that uh, I kind of started running um, like around 2011, 12 area, like kind of in that time frame. Uh, like Josh, I uh, had a friend of mine. I was running long distances because I wasn't fast. And so I just kept running. And um, that was kind of fun. And uh, I had a friend of mine one day. We were sitting down having a drink. And he was like, have you read that book, Ultra Marathon Man? I'm sure y'all have heard that book. Yeah, Dean Carnassus, yep. Um, and yeah, so I uh, I read the book and I like I was like hooked on the whole Western states thing, and um, I signed up for my one of my first trail runs down at Pine Mountain, which was Dean Carnassus. I wanted to meet him. Mm-hmm. I met him. He gave me a free race entry into Pine Mountain Trail Race, and I was kind of hooked after that. So, um, and it's weird too. Like I would. I kind of um, got pulled into it. So I would sign up for something and then another opportunity would present itself and it would pull me into it. And then I'd sign up for the next thing. and It would pull me into the next race. So I didn't really know what I was doing and it was kind of cool. It kind of turned into this really neat adventure where I've kind of traveled all over the world running and doing crazy stuff. And it's kind of put me at this with this group, which is awesome. And uh, like I said, I'm just kind of happy just to be here. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did you get to run Western States? No, I'm uh, I'm in my uh, tenth year of trying to get into that damn race. And uh, <laughs> if I don't get into it, y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to go out there and run it myself. I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to create like a Brutes Western or something. Uh, <laughs> like a soft rock, like they do for hard rock. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like I'm just going to like be the rebel that just goes out there and just makes it happen. So we'll see. <laughs> right on well let's here's fingers crossed for you man it's it's a cool experience so i hope you get to get in this year um absolutely all right so the brutes challenge let's talk about what well first what is what is brutes who wants to field that one josh you want to field what is brutes uh sure i can i can feel that the uh the brutes challenge is uh these five kind of epic and iconic runs in the Southeast United States. Um, They don't really have races associated with those trails. I'm not sure if that's a coordination thing or what, but, um, and they're, I would say they're all just as challenging as a hundred miler. They got a lot of vert on all those runs. It's, um, it's really a really cool experience, cool trails to go see. And uh, Sarah, what does Brute stand for? The Blue Ridge Ultra Trail Endurance Series. Is that right? <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, endurance. Yeah, something. <laughs> I think it's endurance. Slam. Slam. Okay. Slam. Oh, yeah. That would make sense. <laughs> Very good. You did good, kid. You did good. <laughs> and um, so, um, Nick, what about um, what courses um, are these? Which Which five are we talking about? Okay, so um, I'm just going to do it in kind of the order I'm thinking. Uh, first up is uh, you've got the uh, Georgia Loop, which is a, a 59-mile, feels like 89-mile <laughs> loop. Um, kind of follows the Georgia Death Race route. Uh, DR, you, so you get some DRT, you get some of that. Um, then you go up to... Um, Pitchell, some of you, I'm sure we'll get into like what these actually mean, but you've got Pitchell, which is Mount Pisgah up to Mount Mitchell. You've got Scar, which is a Smoky Mountain um, 
kind of adventure training run or trail run that runs from uh, Davenport to uh, I'm running off the top of my head here. So I apologize to Fontana. Um, then we've got, uh, we've got <laughs> Mass and it's, it's Mass and Newton or Mass and Nutton. I've heard both, but I think everyone pronounces it Mass and Nutton. And if any, if I made a mistake to anybody in uh, that area, I apologize because I know what it's like when things get mispronounced. <laughs> but Mass and Nutton, uh, they call that the ring. Um, and then, uh, you've got the Foothills Trail, um, up in, uh, Northern, uh, South Carolina. Um, so that's kind of the, the, at least that's the trails. Right on. And um, what's their requirement? Like, you know, what's the timeline look like? How how uh, how long do you have to do this? Okay, so I, the way we read it from, you know, I guess we should pay a little bit of credit to Charles Raffensperger. This is his baby, right? So <laughs> if anyone's interested in even what we're talking about, there's a website out there. It's the it's the Brute Slam. I think you could just Google Brutes. Yeah, I'll put um, it in the show notes. Yep. Yeah, thank you. So there's that. And Charles Raffensperger, I'm sure he'd probably be another host for another day, kind of a thing where he can talk on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he has? Okay, yeah. so, so there you go. Uh, maybe <laughs> reference that show note. Um, yeah, will. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is Charles' baby, and he kind of des- devised this. And um, and, and it kind of outlines kind of the whole format. So you have technically as much time as, uh, as kind of you need as long as you complete it. I think there's like an unofficial 30-hour cutoff in there, but really I think his the intent – was just Sarah it's an official 32 but if you keep moving and don't stop you can finish later than that and it'll still count so as long as you don't like take a long break you can go over it's a cool format because it's way laid back I mean you can kind of tell like it's not designed for speed um which is that's cool too but this is definitely a little bit different of a format so um people like me can finish and you have um did we say how long you have to to do it uh sarah said 32 but no I, sorry I the the whole challenge so one, completing one all five courses yeah right <laughs> that's what i was gonna i'm sorry <laughs> right but it can it can go across calendar years it's a 365 days yeah yes right. i mean there's right. a there's a few two maybe three of us that have done it in a calendar year but uh, it's no problem doing it across. Like if you wanted to start in fall and winter and go into the next year. Right. Yeah. Uh, my yeah, listeners will remember awesome. I tried to go after it last year and um, Scar was my first run and um, we got two feet of snow. <laughs> um, so that put the kibosh on it. And then my next one was supposed to be Massanutten and we were supposed to be driving north to New York and uh, we ended up flying. <laughs> so there went my second one. So, it, you know, the whole brute challenges went out the window. Um, I think, and I think that kind of touches on something I'm sure we'll get into, but like, is it, it really is about like the conditions and the weather and being able to have a window and get in there and, and, and get these things accomplished. Cause I think that's the biggest factor is the weather and the conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, something definitely we'll, we'll talk about. Um, so um, let's first go around the horn here again uh sarah we can start with you and which order did you do it in and was there a reason to your madness <laughs> um so i did the georgia loop first the main reason one it was the closest but also a buddy of mine was moving to oklahoma and he always wanted to do the georgia loop before he was gone so um 
just out of nowhere, I'm like, all right, let's do this. And then that just <laughs> kicked off my brute challenge. Um, and then I went to Foothills and Scar. Um, I was then going to do Massanutten with um, the Virginia Happy Trail Club. I'm sure I'm butchering their acronym. Um, but my cat ended up getting really sick, so I, I didn't do that. And I ended up just jumping into Pitchell without any planning. <laughs> <laughs> and then I uh, did Massanut and Solo. So, and I was going to do Pitchell with the Adam Hill gang, but. Um, you kind of swapped. Yeah, I just swapped it out. So mm -hmm. no real rhyme or reason, more so than it was just um, kind of location. Right on. Very good. And Josh? Yeah, so. I, this is probably going to be a theme, but I started with Georgia Loop too. Again, it's close, right? Um, and then I did Pitchell, uh, Scar, uh, Massanet, and then Foothills. Um, actually, between Scar and Massanet, and I actually attempted Foothills, we DNF that, and then I had to come back and do Foothills after Massanet. But um, so, like, again, Georgia Loop's close reasoning around Pitchell and Scar, this is where a lot of that uh, logistics comes in, which is kind of different uh, than a lot of runs you have to deal with. Pitchell and Scar, like the roads close at certain times of year and you just can't get up there. And so I wanted to do those as early as we could in the season. So if there was an issue, we could come back before the roads closed again in winter. So I, I wanted to get those knocked out. And then, um, and another anchor of this whole schedule is Massanutten with the ring and the Virginia Happy Trail Runner people that Sarah already mentioned, because uh, they have a great event they put on. It's not a race; it's just a supported event, and they are they're they're just a great group out there supporting. It's a great great vibe on that run, um, and uh, and then finish up with Foothills. I kind of feel like Foothills and Georgia Loop you could probably do any time of the year as long as you're willing to rough the cold <laughs> but yeah. uh but the other ones you really you, you kind of need to do them at certain times mm -hmm. absolutely yeah um, we can talk about that and why but we'll, we'll finish off with uh with nick how about your order um i mean i i, I so my my, my story is just a little bit different but also kind of the same so i actually this took me like two and a half years or really two years to kind of figure out how to do it. So my first year I started out with, with foothills, which went great. And then I went to Massa Newton and that didn't go so great, but that, that kind of became the starting point for year two was labor day. So once I got to labor day, I went out and did Georgia loop, which was great. And I didn't, or I had done Georgia Loop, and then I had gone to Mass Newton. So I had three in year one, and then realized pretty quickly that the weather was going to kind of close in on me. So I missed it, getting them all done in that first year. But Mass Newton was on Labor Day because the Virginia Happy Trail Runners puts on uh, basically an event at Labor Day. And y'all, I got to completely put in a word for them. That is a really great event. Uh, they do a phenomenal job and they're just a lot of fun to be with. So uh, shout out to them. 
Um, anyway, it's uh, it's great because you got a ton of support at Madison Newton. And then that kind of became the year mark demarcation point for getting the rest of the five done. So I went back and redid. We did Pitchell, Scar, redid Georgia Loop again, and then we redid Foothills again. So got that done. And uh, that's kind of my story. That's how I had to do it. But yeah, I mean, back to Josh's point, like the weather can shut you down on these attempts. Um, and I know foothills, Josh was, doesn't seem like it's terrible, but there's a ton of stairs on foothills. So if you have any ice whatsoever, you almost can't attempt foothills. So knowing that weather pattern and how you want to kind of get in there and get out is kind of critical. Cause for year one, for me, I, it, it caused me to have to rerun a couple of these things. That's incredible that you had to redo it. Um, and, um, you know, Josh saying that, you know, you had to go back and do foothills, um, look forward to hearing, um, what happened there, um, for sure. So, um, I guess we could start there. Um, Josh, why don't you talk about foothills and what, what went on there? Um, uh, just start with describing what is foothills, how far all that good stuff. And then, you know, what, what kind of happened? Yeah. Okay. So, so foothills is, um, is an Indian trail in, that starts in South Carolina at Table Rock and ends in South Carolina at Coney, goes north into North Carolina and back down. Um, so that's Foothills Trail. It's 77 miles. So it's the longest trail uh, in the challenge. I don't, but it's not, doesn't have the most elevation uh, gain. So that that's kind of good. Uh, so what happened there? Uh, me, Nick, and another guy, Ted, went out to do foothills at the end of August, I believe. So as you can imagine, the end of August, it's hot and you're wet all the time and you can't cool down. <laughs> um, and so we, we, the, the other guy that we were with, um, I think he really ended up having some heat exhaustion. And after and we just were moving really slow through Laurel Valley. And so once we finally got out of Laurel Valley, we had been on our feet for, what was it, like 21 hours by that time, Nick? It was, yeah, yeah it was, we'd been on our feet for a long time. And that, to me, that's like part of the danger of these long runs. It's just like the longer you're on your feet, like the more chance you have of not finishing something. And we were all kind of pretty much done at that point. So so came back uh, in October. Was, I'm sorry, what's that? You were already like dead and tired and then you have to get into Gorge's state park. Right. Yeah, There's exactly. no way out of that without going through. That would have been rough. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's what happened there. But, you know, came back in uh, uh, much better run, much better run. Good. Good. And, and Nick, um, when you were doing that with Josh, was that your first foothills or your second foothills? That was my second. So I did, I got to foothills two and a half times, two and three quarter <laughs> times, which was really fun. Uh, <laughs> lots of fun. But yeah, I mean, Josh, Josh, Josh has a really good point. Like that turned into an evac situation at, at that point, like just the heat and then being out there and, you know, there, there was a little bit of fear. I, I won't lie about getting everyone out safe. You know, you get, you get out in these, on some of these trails and you're just, you're alone and you're all by yourself and you're way out there. Like your phone doesn't work. I mean, there's, there's that element where you don't, 
like in a traditional race, you've got that eight a couple miles up the road. You know you've got people out there with you. And then in some of these instances, it's it's just you. And you might be fighting hypothermia. You might be fighting heat exhaustion. Um, and you have to know how to deal with those uh, those challenges when they pop up and how to safely kind of get yourself extracted from that situation. I'm, I'll tell you, Josh, Josh and I, and I'm, I'm sure Sarah is the same. You, you can't quit when you start these um, types of adventures. I mean, you have to be very kind of dialed in and have a really good attitude and know you're going to run into some pretty bad stuff. But you've also got to be pretty strong to know how to get out of there and know when to say, you know what, today's not a good day. We need to get out of here. And I think right. that was one of those days. So not an easy lesson to learn, but we're here to talk about it. So that's good. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, pulling on that thread a little bit further, um, what did you guys do to ensure you were as safe as possible? What were some of the measures you guys took? Yeah, I mean, so for us on that foothill situation, I think it, it was really the the guy we were running with that was really having the severe issues. And and that was just a matter of us slowing down and taking care of him. So it's like every time we came by water, hey, do we need to stop? Let's cool you down a little bit. Hey, here's a bench. Let's rest. Um, so that's what we did. It, and to Nick's point about about being out there, one thing that I found interesting about foothills, especially, is in the summer months when we were out there in August, we didn't see anybody on trail in the Laurel Valley section at all. Um, but I know when I did it in October, I saw people like. <laughs> every 30, 40 minutes in the world. So it was like, so just kind of knowing that time of year and if people are going to be out there that could help you out, you know, possibly call or whatever too. Yeah. It's something to know, but that was, it was interesting. But yeah, the really just taking, you know, you just have to slow down. We had enough food. Foothills is great as far as water sources. We knew we weren't going to run out of water. So we were able to, you know, cool our buddy down keep them moving, but we just couldn't move fast enough to actually have a, a completed effort that day. Right on. Did you have something, Nick? Well, I was just going to add to that. Like, I think from a, like from a medical perspective, you know, you're out there, you don't want to have a lot of weight, but there's certain things you got to make sure that you have, you know, you can't disrespect mother nature. You know, we basically learned you, you need to have a space blanket, no matter what time of year you're out there. You just, you got to have a space blanket in case you get cold. Um, that's yeah. really hard to get warmed back up. And then you've got to be able to look for the signs for heat exhaustion when you're out there by yourself too. And so you, you develop a, a small like crash kit um, of medical gear in your pack. And um, I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons I got to take away from all this is kind of like, absolutely. What's some of the gear you've got to make sure that you have. So I'm sure Sarah's got like some stories about that too. It's just um, that when you're out there by yourself, you just got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was, um, it, it had snowed and I didn't know how bad it was up high on scar and I had actually started and, um, I got to the, uh, the first shelter I left from Fontana, um, took me obviously a lot longer than anticipated cause I was going through a ton of snow. Um, and uh, you know, not knowing that newfound gap had closed, we couldn't find that information because this was an unexpected snowstorm. Um, and then the guy that was going to meet me at newfound pinged me on my Garmin, my inReach, and said, Hey, newfound's closed. We got to rethink this. Um, and thank God for that inReach, you know, cause I wouldn't have got the message any other way. There was no cell phone service. 
So, you know, I just said, okay, man, I'm turning around, come back to Fontana and pick me up. So, Mark. you know, but, you know, without that kind of device, you know, gosh, I wouldn't have had no way to communicate with anybody. So just making sure that you have the capability to have some kind of tracking or communication, um, especially in these situations, like you said, there's really not much cell phone service in many places. So taking that into consideration, making sure that you have a safe means to communicate or be tracked. Yeah. Um, Sarah, did you um, bring an inreach with you? No, I was, uh, I mean, for um, Foothills and Pitchell, I had crew. And then mm -hmm. I was with a friend at Georgia Loop. Um, Scar, I had you and Sibley on, on call if, if I needed. Um, but I did that completely unsupported. I didn't have an enreach or anything. Massanutten, um, I tried to get an enreach, but um, it was in use so i just said screw it gotta I get done so i just <laughs> just went forward i'm like just don't crack your head open <laughs> yes well you know um natalie daniel who's also a finisher and that's who i had on the podcast with charles um you know natalie did fall and had a head injury at um mass newton um and you know she thankfully her husband was nearby but she had to sit tight for a little while to make sure that it wasn't more concussive or anything like that. So she did run into an incident. Thankfully was okay. You know, she had, um, you know, cut her, her, her scalp basically. And, you know, most likely had a concussion, but she was able to, to, you know, to manage to just sit still for a while, let everything, you know, kind of pass and then move on. But, you know, the, the circumstances do arrive, especially in the dark. Like, you know, if you go into the dark, there's just so many um, external factors that can, you know, really happen. So, um, and Josh and Nick, did you guys carry a satellite device? Um, Nick shaking his head. Yes. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't have one yet, but Nick has one. I use the, um, I use the Garmin app on the phone for tracking. So when I have the intermittent cell signal, like it'll update and sure. let my support crew know. But yeah. to your point, that might be hours. <laughs> yeah. Before right. that I got the inReach about halfway through the challenge. Um, just so my wife could, if, yeah, I think my wife was out at Georgia loop and um, she was also at scar. So it just helped her triangulate where I was at. And then if I did yeah. get in trouble, it was just nice to know. People knew how to track me. So absolutely. Uh, it is a peace of mind. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, and um, what a number and, and Sarah, you're obviously included in this is a lot of my runners, if they are looking at, you know, they'll say, Hey, does anybody have an inReach? I've mailed my inReach to, you know, to whoever needs it um, to use. So, I mean, just, just ask people if they have one that you could borrow. Cause you know, it's easy enough to change your emergency contacts in there or whatever messages you want to pre-program. Uh, it's super simple. Um, you know, and uh, like, I probably have, um, <laughs> if you guys know Michael Patton, I probably still have his messages <laughs> in my phone <laughs> from when he just did the, uh, the Virginia AT. Um, but you know, like I said, it's a peace of mind. Um, your significant others, they can track you and, you know, it's constant you can let it ping as much as you want. You can change the frequency of the ping. So, um, and it obviously it doesn't have to be a Garmin in reach. There's so many devices out there now, but, um, you know, just that, that, that safety and peace of mind. I know, um, did we get to everybody? We got to everybody, uh, on the foothills, Sarah, did we, we touched on yours. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was by far my, my favorite. Was foothills? Yeah. 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 And why was I'm that? I'm a sucker for waterfalls, so 
Ah. Just, I mean, from Table Rock all the way through Laurel Valley and then, you know, on the other side of Gorges was just waterfalls and rivers and scenic views. And so nice. I'd say I Georgia know. Loop is the second, but. Yeah, there's a bias there. I'm not taking that. Just no. How about you two? Uh, any, do you guys have uh, the foothills? Was that one of your favorites or was it another? Let Nick take this first. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with Sarah foothills. I'm if, if I had to recommend one of these trails to anybody listening to this show. Um, yeah, I totally go around foothills. It's awesome. It's got great. Uh, it's just a nice winding trail with beautiful views of like waterfalls. You have a ton of, uh, covered bridges. There's some steps. There's a lot of steps, <laughs> but it's just, it's, it, it, it doesn't get monotonous. It just, it, it feels like you're constantly just kind of running through the woods and kind of rolling with it. It's just a really pleasant trail. They've done an amazing job with foothills. And so, yeah, that, if I had to recommend one to anybody, uh, foothills is just a, it's a joy. It's long, but it's worth it. Cool. They uh, covered up the leap of faith on that one. There's one section you come to, I think it's after Gorgeous State Park, but there's stairs leading up to the top of this giant boulder. And then there's just a wire that leads over to another boulder, but you have to, you have to step over it, which I mean, it's only probably like a foot and a half away, but I can't imagine doing that in the dark or, or um, being like really tired. Uh, um, mm. But they, they ended up putting in a, a bridge this summer. So oh, really? no more leap of faith. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Nick had a bonus question. He says, how many bridges on the foothills trail? Was it a 40 B 80 C 120 or D 160? So again, 40, 80, 120 or 160. What say you, Sarah? I, I was going to Google it, but I'm like, no, I'll just, I, I think there's 160. There's right. a lot. Okay. Nick. I know the answer. And okay. Josh is the one that, Josh is the one that actually counted. Cause when he went out, I crewed him and I told him when he left, Count the dang bridges. I want to know how many bridges there are. That was like his way of being distracted. Okay. <laughs> so, Josh, what's the answer? Well, it's funny you said that because you put that question on the sheet here. And I was like, wait a second. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 120. It was it was yeah. you told me it was 122. Yeah, 122. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> so 120. OK, there's so, a, there's our, our bonus Sarah, question. You, you can officially put in your show notes at the official record of bridges on the foothills trail that now prints that because i don't think it's on the internet i got you i think on the foothills trail website it is oh, okay we can there's some research that. We, yeah, we, we yeah that was that. a that was a great little um uh, thing to do with nick crew and me on that one is like, like every time i saw nick i knew i had to give him the update on the uh the bridge count <laughs> <laughs> and josh how about you what was your was your uh favorite foothills as well or was it another you know i like you know i i always just come back to georgia loop i don't know what it is about georgia loop i, I know it's not like the prettiest it's not the longest it's probably just because it's the hometown trail. I've backpacked that a couple of times. I've run it a couple of times now. I just, 
I just love that area up there along uh, BMT and Duncan Ridge. I, I don't know, and Duncan Ridge in the winter, like it's all the leaves down. It's just so cool. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I really like Georgia Loop. Nick shook his head no. Uh, Sarah already admittedly said it was her second, and I am I am not a Georgia Loop fan, so y'all <laughs> um, stand alone on that one. Yeah, the DRT is not my friend. Um, <laughs> I did it. I did it uh, in August during H nine weekend. So, oh my goodness, here I am. I think I'm. I think I'm so cool. I'm out there running. I'm just like the. I'm in my mind. I'm like the coolest person on the planet. And then I see like fifty H nine runners that started way after me they've also run 50 miles and they're like oh george luke yeah that's that's only like 55 miles man like <laughs> oh god i just like cool thanks uh, the humble pie to go with that <laughs> all right so with that said and this will, will kind of you know guide our discussion going forward what was your least favorite nick oh that it's well I, first of all i looked it up it's massa newton i, okay. I just pulled it up it's massa newton massa newton. So, massa newton people yeah on the show um Newton is my least favorite those rocks are legit um and it's only like a, i'd say 10 percent of the trail is just where you, it's 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 demoralizing is the best way to explain it but and i mean I, I was crying i was at a point where i was like physically I had tears coming down my face and i was like why <laughs> why it's why beautiful it's nice but man yeah josh will tell you i, I was not a fan of mass newton at all uh, did you guys do that one together no. no okay gotcha uh well you know t- uh, <laughs> beyond that nick talk about your your mass newton experience well i mean it's just a. um well first of all they call it the ring the year i did it i did it with the virginia happy trail runners club amazing people incredible yep. um i had a really awesome guy help me um, and he kind of helped me get through the course, um, and keep my spirits up, but it's beautiful, beautiful, uh, overlooks. It's kind of up there outside of DC, Washington, DC, not too far from that area. Uh, really cool trip. Um, but you run 70 miles or 69 miles and you've got like three miles left to go. You know, you look down at your watch and you're like, oh, this is easy. Like, let's roll. And it's all downhill. And Y'all, it's like gravestones. Like, this, imagine like a gravestone yeah. in your mind, and you've got the sharp edges. And then what I want you to do is imagine millions of them. And it's like somebody just took them and just threw them down this mountain. And each single gravestone or headstone, it's wobbly, and it's it's at like a forty five degree angle. And yeah. so your shoes are ripping, your ligaments are tearing. <laughs> Everything hurts. You, you're, you've got 69 miles on your feet, and then you're asked to go downhill three miles, which doesn't sound bad until you realize it takes you about three hours to go three miles. And right. you get to the bottom, and you're like, I'm done with this forever. So <laughs> I think great. when I did it, I, I did it. We had, uh, I think we had just under 60 people start, and we had, we had I think, 17 finish. And I think I was like number 15 or 16. I was just trying to finish. Yeah. yeah. Josh, I think you had the same with the amount of finishers with your group. Yeah. Yeah, it was exactly. It was, I think they let in 60 a year. So there was this, it was the full, full crew, 60 people mm-hmm. and 17 of us finished. Yeah. It was crazy. Right on. And, and Josh, what was your least favorite? 
Yeah, mass mass and nothing for sure. <laughs> okay. Scar Scar is kind of like a close second on that, just because we're just we were just hurting <laughs> towards sure. the scar, but it wasn't like I was hurting at the end of mass and nothing, and then you know what Nick just described, and and Nick always describes it as the last three miles, but I really feel like it was almost the whole second half. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah, start the northern ridge. Yeah, the northern ridge, and you and you get to start the northern ridge experience by climbing up what they call waterfall, which is probably twice as horrible as blue hell at Chiaha. Uh, it's just like straight up two steps forward, one step sliding back for a mile and a half to get up to the northern ridge. And then you get up there and you're like, oh, finally it's flat and downhill. And then it's just like rocks, rocks, rocks. And and the way I describe it is Virginia has all its knives out on that side. <laughs> It was, and, and it was the it was the first time in 10 years of running in sandals that I questioned my footwear choice. So <laughs> yeah, I can't oh. imagine my feet were killing me by the end of Mass and Nothing. Um and I, you know, was in Lone Peaks. Uh what's what's total distance on Mass and Newton? 77. I'm sorry, 72, 72, right? Or was it, 72. You know what? Their sticker says 71, but I, I'm pretty sure I had 72 on my watch. But Okay. And elevation gain approximately 16, 14? I got to defer to Sarah on it. My All of my elevations, I have a Koros, which is a, a great device, but all of my elevations have posted, I, I, it, there's no way it's right because I only have 13,000 feet for the ring, and I just I don't think that's right. Sarah, what did you have on the I ring? have less than you guys because – I was really? yeah, and I was like, I don't understand because I even like did some extra out and backs just to get water, and I'm like, I don't oh, know. I how you to say to just to get extra miles. No, <laughs> I ran out of water. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, there was there was one point where it was like sixty two miles in, and I'm out of water. No, I was fifty two miles in, out of water, and there's a sign. It's like a half mile down. And I knew that there was potentially a river down there. And so it was like a half mile straight down to just like this mud hole, which I didn't end up filling up in. And then I had to climb back up and I was just. <laughs> so, that's badass. Cause there is no water on the ring. There's no water out there. Gotcha. There is, um, there's two spots I've found even in the drought. And I think I could have, if that, if that third spot, if it, if Virginia wasn't in a drought, would have been good. Um, but yeah, it was glorious coming onto that Forest Service road, and there's just like this pipe coming out of the side of the mountain of this fresh spring. It's just nice. it's glorious. <laughs> that was I mean, like six. I think that was like sixty-two miles in sixty-four. And was that <laughs> your least favorite as well, or did you have another one, Sarah? No. Um, I mean, I knew going into Massanutten, it was going to be the hardest for me, just from my experience with Grindstone. Um, But I would say, I think it was Pitchell. Pitchell was just overall, like, a mentally tough one for me. And then I think the ending, really, I guess from from Rattlesnake Lodge to, to the finish was... 
That's a, that's a humdinger. Yeah. So, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, think, you know, hub. maybe another year or time I would, I would switch them up, but, but yeah, I think I'm going to go with Pitchell. Okay. All right. Well, we, we've kind of expounded. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. I, I was just going to let you know, I did look up the, uh, the elevation mm-hmm. that I had on my watch for Massanutten and it was, um, right at 13, eight. Okay. All right. So we got somewhere around 14,000. Yeah. Um, right on. Um, but any other any other stories on Massanoon? I I've really- I had a hard time starting. Like I I wish that I had paid more attention. Um, but I I got there late. Um, it was already dark, and I just slept in my car at the trailhead. And then you know I'm trying to start at four thirty in the morning, and so I'm out in the dark trying to follow the signs and then as soon as you cross this bridge like on the map it shows it goes left but I don't see any blazes that go left and so like I'm running around in circles I even like stopped my watch went back to the start and then restarted my watch and then still it took me 12 minutes to figure out that because there's a blue blaze that shows you turn left but there's no orange blaze and then but if you get to the middle of the field then there's an orange blaze, but then at the wood line, there's a blue blaze going into the woods, but then there's no orange blaze until you actually decide to go down that trail. And then you see the orange blaze like farther in the woods. So, but once you get out on the trail, it's, it's good, but yeah. And then I, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. uh, I was just going to say I came across, it was probably my most traumatic run. Um, Cause like 60 some miles in and the pitch black dark, I was running down this trail and I turn and there's like this juvenile possum in the middle of the road, like with its guts hanging out. Oh. And I'm like, Oh man, that sucks. And then I realized it's still alive. And I was just oh. like, <laughs> hell. So I ran away as fast as possible, but yeah, I'm still traumatized by that. <laughs> like, I hope whatever you like attacked it is gonna finish it off soon. But, but yeah, gotcha. Um, not to change topics, but I'm gonna change topics. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, so as far as navigating goes, um, we talked about communication and tracking, but um. So far as navigating goes, did you all use anything uh, on your your phone, on your watch? Uh, how did you guys go about that? Or did you use a paper map? W- what was your navigation strategies? Um, uh, Sarah, it sounds like you were just following the blazes on Mass Newton. Is that, is that right? I mean, I had it pulled up on my phone, too. I think okay. I, I don't. It was either um, Josh or um, Nick. I, I downloaded your Strava route. And so I was like, well, I'm supposed to be turning left here, but I don't know. It actually showed that you're supposed to be turning on the, on the other side of the river, according to like the map. But, um, so that's what really confused me. Um, foothills, I had a paper, um, map. I got like that little foothills guide. And so I printed that out. Um, Pitchell was easy enough. To just follow the trail. Yeah. Mass and Nutton was great once you got on the trail, like following the orange blazes. There was no question as to where you were going. Okay. Um, Georgia Loop, I knew. I know the trails, so there was no issue. And then um, Scar, 
I had a uh, the trail run project uploaded. Okay. Um, and there's there was on UT, two. I don't know. There was two. Um, what are they called? Shelters. I got lost at. The first oh. was like eleven. Like it was the second shelter you come to, and like you get to, and there's five trails that lead from it. Two of them are like this loop to the water. One one is a trail to where you tie up your bags for food. And then the other one is to the campsite. And then like one of them is, is the actual trail, but it's not marked in any way. So that was a little confusing. And then when I got to um, Tri-Corner Shelter, um, I swear the sign was saying to go straight. And so I went straight into the shelter and then I ended up at like the porta potties and the trail just ends and I'm like, where the hell am I? <laughs> and I had to backtrack and, and figured that one out. But but yeah, other than those two like weird shelter areas, the AT is easy to track. Campsites are always the worst. Like you come into a campsite or a shelter yeah. area and there's like 20 side trails to campsites and you're like, wait a second, where am I supposed to be going? On, on Foothills, actually had a guy coming into one of the campsites. I, it was after dark, and the guy had strung his hammock between two trees across the trail right at the entrance. To the oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. People do that on the art lobe all the time. They, they string up their, like, their guidelines and stuff right across the trail. And if you're going at night, it's just a – oh, but – yeah um how about uh josh did you uh use any type of um navigating uh so one thing i always do is i always make sure my strava has the maps downloaded because i find like if i do get confused if i can just pull out strava and like pull up like the record but don't start recording it has like all the heat maps on there and you can kind mm -hmm. of pretty easily and it tells you like where you are in relation to it there's been plenty of times where I'm like all of a sudden I'm in the middle of the woods and I'm like okay this isn't a trail anymore <laughs> you look at the Strava and it tells you like where you got off um but you know just I'll uh you know agree with Sarah on this like all these trails are pretty well marked uh Scar and Pitchell are like so well traveled <laughs> it's yeah the trails are very well defined um yeah. Georgia loop I just know I've done it way too much because uh, there's I, there's like one tricky turn in Georgia loop but it's really if you know it it's not that big of a deal like uh, the three forks area over there when you're coming well okay so there's two tricky turns three forks can be <laughs> tricky for people that's true and even less marked is over there on Duncan Ridge coming off of the Coosa backcountry loop sometimes people end up going down Kusa backcountry. Um, oh, yeah. But especially for these runs, you know, I, like I told Nick when we were out running one day, it's like, if you ever question which way to go, whichever way is uphill, that's yeah. the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, fair. Um, but no, be, besides that, just looking at the maps beforehand, knowing where you're going. Because um, because yeah, like you're on the AT for SCAR, right? Mm -hmm. You're on 
mountain to sea trail for Pitchell. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're on Mass Newton trail, which is pretty well marked. And then foothills, of course, is foothills. Both times I did that, I got lost in the same place down in Laurel Valley around the campsites. Like I kept, for whatever reason, they, they got these campsites that's near a forest service road. And it's, it's kind of tricky about where you're, whether or not you're supposed to stay on the forest service or go through the campsites anyway. At least it was for me, but. Sure. Yeah, because it, it keeps going in and off the road. Mm -hmm. There's like one section where you're just on the trail for like 15 feet and then you're back on like the road. And I'm like, what is the point of this? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And Nick, how about you? Well, we're about to go into nerd mode. I apologize. <laughs> anyone likes spreadsheets anyone's a fan of spreadsheets or laying things out uh, you're gonna like this segment because we are about to get <laughs> into it um so here's the thing when i run i kind of zone out i know this about myself uh, i've gotten lost on h9 several times uh, and i've when i get out there and i get confused it, it takes me about 20 minutes to get kind of back where i need to be and it can kind of really be uh debilitating mentally to get kind of back into a run after you lost like 30, 40 minutes out there just wandering around. So knowing this about myself, uh, and that's why I do this. I try to get out there. So I, I mentally, I can unplug. And so that's the joy. That's the reward of doing it right. Yeah. But knowing that um, sometimes I just kind of lose track of time and I lose track of where I'm at. So what I did was uh, kind of split this up into a couple of segments. So step one was I did kind of what Sarah and Josh did. I went to Strava and I downloaded a couple of different versions. I know Aaron uh, Bloom had a couple of versions of these. Everyone had kind of a version of uh, like all these different trails. So Strava is a great resource. Um, obviously, Charles Raffensperger's got some links to people's GPX files, if you will. So I immediately go out. I take a look at these GPX files and then I kind of ingest those up into Gaia GPS. And I'll take several versions of that Gaia GPS and overlay them and look for just make sure that it's like the good trail that I want. Then once I get that up, scooped up into Gaia GPS, I then create an overlay route on top of that in segments of like three to four miles, wherever there's a good aid station. Because the one thing I worry about more than myself is I worry about like my wife out there driving or my friends that may be out there trying to find me. So I want it to be easy for them to be able to navigate to me. That's kind of more important than anything else because there's nothing worse than being on the crew and support, not being able to find your runner. That's like devastating being out there because then you're just worried all night and that sucks. So then I take all that data and I basically create GPS points for where I want support if I want support. And then I create segments based on Gaia GPS. And then I put all that into a PDF so it's it's clickable. So no matter where anybody is, they can just click on it and get to a location via Google Drive, even if they don't have access to the internet. Um, and then I'll have that guy at GPS on my phone and in a pinch, which happened to us, Josh, out at uh, Pitchell, because they had that construction, if you remember. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Over the highway. There was this random construction and we were like, there's no trail anymore. Like the trail has gone. So we had to basically pull out guy at GPS and it's just nice to have that peace of mind back there to know that you've done the research and you've got a backup plan and you know where the trails are. But at a, I think I had to reference Gaia maybe twice or three times on that entire, uh, the entire thing. But knowing that it was back there was really good peace of mind. So I recommend um, Gaia GPS is a phenomenal tool. 
you can write your own segments in there and then you can basically spray that data straight out of Gaia GPS up into whatever format you want with Garmin or with Apple Watch or whoever you want to use, Coros. Um, and then you've got that on your wrist to support you throughout the entire event. And there's been a couple of times I got off trail and it told me you were you weren't paying attention. So yeah. 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 Just having just done Wasatch, that was um they have a top 10 list of DNF reasons and one was getting off course. So um another guy and I uh you know he was really worried about it and, and made me worry about it. So we put it on our watches and it did come up a few times. There was course markings were missing. We would randomly start running through a meadow. <laughs> you know, that's actually where the course went, but we we're second guessing ourselves. But then our watches were like, no, you're you're on course. So, you Ooh. know, it, it totally is a peace of mind. I mean, so we, we had were, it on our phones too. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Aaron. I'm sorry. You're good. You're good. I, was just, I was just thinking about something, Josh, because when we were on SCAR, there's a section in the at some point in SCAR where the AT is only marked like every mile and a half, maybe every two miles. Mm-hmm. And so you just spend, when you start worrying, you're using calories, like you're burning calories the minute you start to worry. So that was another thing that was frustrating was it's really nice to be able to pull up that phone, like, like from that peace of mind perspective, yeah. so just so you're not burning extra calories out there trying to figure totally. out where you're at. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, we had to do it at Bigfoot too. There was just, uh, it was a six mile stretch and there was no flagging whatsoever. And we came to a junction and we're all looking around. There's like, we were a group of six, three pacers, three runners. And we had no clue. We're like, there was nothing. And it we're now we're just like you were talking about in a campground and there's multiple avenues and we're all like, what the heck? So we all pulled up our phones and, you know, then we we finally found the line and we all, you know, made it, but it definitely, you know, having that peace of mind, just like, all right, it's here on my phone or on my watch. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is, especially, you know, you guys are familiar with the trails and stuff like that, but for folks that aren't, you know, I think it's, it's definitely something to, to consider, you know, ahead of time when you're planning. Well, I'd also um, recommend one more thing too, is make absolutely. sure you give that plan to somebody that you know, before you go out and do stuff like this, like whether it's a, a challenge like Brutes or whether you're just going out and doing foothills on your own, like make sure you have a copy of that plan that you can kind of email somebody so they just know where you are. Yes. Yeah. That can be helpful especially if you're doing it solo, you know, Sarah was doing a few of these just solo. So yeah, for sure. Um, you know, at least she had me on emergency dial <laughs> in case she needed something. Um, but, um, a, a number of questions popping up here. So, um, you know, obviously you guys spend a lot of time in the, the night in the dark. Um, what was your gear choices there? What did you guys use for, for lighting and such? Um, Sarah, you want to start us off? Um, I always use my Nightcore headlamp, and then I've got the waist belt. Um, and I would say, like, the waist belt is so beneficial for especially these technical trails, just because with the headlamp alone, it makes everything really 2D for me. Um, so having that extra light shine in a in a different angle, it actually allowed the rocks to stand out a bit more. Yeah. Did you use the uh, the NU25 on the Nightcore, the really lightweight, small 250 lumen? No, I've got the really big, heavy one that I oh, okay. need to upgrade from. But... Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> and, uh, right on. Which uh, which belt were you using? I think it's just called the light belt. I don't Celia gave it to me a couple of years ago. And okay. It's been yeah. great. Right on. Very good. Okay. Um, Josh, how about you? 
yeah, as far as night running, I always just worn a Petzl headlamp. I think it's mm -hmm. like 400 lumen. Uh, my second run was Pitchell, and I did that with Nick. And Nick's got the what Kogala waist belt that's like 5,000 lumen, and like you can bring an aircraft with or whatever. And I literally turned my headlamp off and just ran behind him <laughs> for a big yeah. portion. And so after that run, <laughs> I actually, um, my, my girlfriend actually got me a Calgala, uh, Calgala. Yeah, Calgala for, uh, as a present. <laughs> nice. So that's what I've been using since. Uh, so I definitely Great. discovered, uh, brighter light is very nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially as we get, I older. like the, <laughs> yeah, I like the, the headlamp waist belt combo though. Cause if I use the. The waist belt alone, I feel like it jiggles too much. And so it kind of makes me a little motion sick. Mm -hmm. um, so having the, like that steady beam from the headlamp kind of reduces that. And then also I could look side to side to be like, oh, what's going to come attack me from over there um, <laughs> as things pop in your head. Um, and <laughs> if, I, if I just had the waist belt, I wouldn't be able to like direct my beam to the, the side trail. Right, right. Absolutely. So, Nick, we've already heard that you have a Kogala. <laughs> Is there yeah, anything so else? I'm, listen, I'm just scared of the dark. I mean, <laughs> there fair. you go. Okay. Yeah. You know, you go out in the middle of the night. Um, it's uh, it's terrifying because you you very quickly get consumed by the blackness out there. Like, and you turn around and it, there's nothing there. I mean, it's mm. it's pretty dark. But by the time I was done with this challenge, yeah. So yes, I use the Kogala and I really like it, but. I actually, and I was doing a lot of my runs in the summer, just with my schedule. I got to say, I feel like I prefer night running now as opposed to running during the day. And I, I really did never thought ever I would ever say this, but you don't run into people. You don't run into any wildlife at night. They see that Kogala from six miles away and they know <laughs> you're coming before you have any chance of accidentally running into something. And so I just found night running to be way more peaceful. It was quiet. Um, there was nothing out there to bother you. And I didn't think I'd ever, I never thought I would ever say this, but I, like a night run is just enjoyable. It just really is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Right on. Very good. Cool. Do you use anything in combination with the Kogala or just the Kogala? I do have a backup. I have a Petzl uh, headlamp. And then I also carry one handheld just in the back, just in case a battery malfunctions and something goes bad. So I do have a backup, but thankfully I never had to use it. Right on. Um, how about you, Josh, any backups? Yeah. So I totally switched to just using the big, um, you know, waste light to cook out all the time. And my Petzl is now my backup. Um, just to add on the Kogawa thing, you know, they have different battery sizes you can get with that. I, I got the biggest battery you can have, which I actually really like because now on the long runs, I can take my watch off and I can plug it into the Kogawa while I'm using it as a, as the source for my light It's also charging my watch. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of nice having that backup, that kind of power source backup as well with you. Absolutely. Uh, Nick, do you carry anything else as a backup? Uh, battery or just the Kogala battery itself? So Kogala is not going to like me saying this, but their batteries are horrible. Um, 
I've had two Kogala batteries just take a complete crap on me in the middle of a run. So I'll never use Kogala batteries ever again. So I went on Amazon and got a couple of those, you know, ten dollar specials. Yeah. And they work great. And I do carry a backup battery because I've been out there and I've had that battery fail on me. And that's a lot of weight to be carrying around if it doesn't work. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, Sarah, how about you? Backup, backup light and backup battery. Um, I carry um, backup batteries. So they all take the, like those big tube batteries, mm-hmm. both my waist belt and my headlamp. So I just, okay. Got like four extras. I just throw in my pack. And do you carry anything to charge phone or anything like that? Um, I did for Mass and Nutton, um, just because I was completely by myself and um, in a completely different state from anybody that I knew. So just <laughs> wanted to be able to call somebody in case anything yeah. happened. Um, but I don't think I did. I don't think I carried a, a charger on anything else. I had my phone with me. Um, Foothills was the only time that I burned my phone out from taking all the waterfall photos. It was dead before I even (laughs) got halfway through the run. I was like, but there's more views. (laughs) Here's the the dad in me. So, you know, Sarah, I'm going to reprimand you. Um, If you are going to be reliant on your phone, please make sure you have a way to charge it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, I had Celia with me at Foothills, so she was meeting me every, every bit, but. Yeah, just in case, though, it's always good to have something, especially if you're relying on it for your mapping services, right? Like if you're pulling your yeah. phone up a lot and, and using the battery, it's always good to have that fail safe where you can you know charge it and don't forget your cords. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, very good. OK, um, so, um, you know, something that I encountered and I talked about this with my friend, we did the Grand Slam this summer was like the finances that go behind this. A lot of times people don't think about like, there's a lot that goes into this when you're traveling, right? You're having to spend money to go to these different places. Um, Did you all find it to be a a lot extra or minimal? Like, thank goodness we're all in the South and these are kind of accessible to us. But what did that, and you don't have to get into details of how much it costs, but did you find it to be an extra expense? Was it expensive? thankfully you don't have to pay race entry so that's that's one perk but um yeah why don't you guys let's uh nick why don't we start with you well i was just gonna say if you you look at a standard just going to a trail race it's kind of ridiculous i mean it is i've got a lot of friends that are race directors and i love them and i'm not going to stop doing this Uh, my wife's doing rim to river next weekend and we're looking forward to that and it's going to be a uh i'm just looking forward to it um but from a financial perspective, I mean, this is kind of like Sarah was saying earlier, this is like sleep in your car. This is this is like awesome. This is great way to go and see some trails because you're just your car camping. You're making it work wherever you can. You jump on the trails, you go as far as you can. And uh, and then I think um, I think when I did, I think a couple of the trails, I got a hotel. Right. But nothing crazy. Um so I financially, I, I, I other than just the gear, which you got to have anyway, um, I really I thought it was a great way to go trail running. So it's kind of the way to go. Um, so far as as gear goes, did you find that most of your gear transitioned well through the five courses, or did you find you needed specific, for example, footwear like were the shoes that you usually use good for 
for all five courses, you know, we, we all know Josh, what you did, but <laughs> I mean, it, it translates, like, I guess you could almost call this, this is like trail running, almost fast packing. Like mm -hmm. the, it transitions really well. I mean, the, a lot of the gear that I use for trail running is the same. Like I did get a Solomon 12 liter pack just to, so I could stuff more stuff in there, but I ended up stuffing stuff in there. I really didn't need anyway. So I probably didn't even need that. Um, so I, I'll let the rest comment. I just, well, I, I just to, I, I think it'd be helpful to expound upon what you just said. Um, what was some of the needless things that you found that you carried that you really didn't need to? I think when I first started this, I thought I was, I wasn't going to have as much support as I, as I was able to find, which was really, I was really grateful for that. Um, so I had planned on carrying like all my food and all my water. And then I had hydration. I had hydration backups. And then I had water bottles that I didn't use. I had a medical kit. I had a crash kit. I had just a lot of stuff when you do anything for the first time. And then you realize what you kind of need. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of, you quickly realize you can go pretty far on a certain pack of food and calories. So. Okay, cool. Very good. Thank you. Um, Josh, how about you? Um, what did you find so far as were, were you similar to Nick that you, you were able to, to car camp and kind of make this minimal, if you will, in that regard, um, so far as your, um, spending goes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty minimal. I mean, but four of these runs are all pretty far down here in the South, pretty right. But within three hours driving from Atlanta, uh, Massanutten being the furthest away, uh, like Nick, there was a couple times um that i got a hotel just like for the first night uh prepping to go up there i guess the probably the biggest expense was actually georgia loop because when i did georgia loop i kind of made it into a party and i invited a bunch of people and so i got an airbnb and i was like hey we're gonna hang out and then we're gonna go run georgia loop and then we're gonna hang out some more and watch cocaine beer there and so, <laughs> so um so, I mean, you can... I thought you said do cocaine and beer. No, I mean... <laughs> That's quite the party. <laughs> <laughs> no, just watching the movie. So Josh, how do you do brutes? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, plenty of help. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think it really speaks to the fact that you can make this a minimal kind of effort uh, financially. Uh, or you can make it whatever you want. I mean, when I did Georgia loop, five other runners came out there with me and they all dropped off along the way and only one other guy finished with me. Um, so it was, you know, it was, it was a fun, just kind of like running party really. <laughs> um, but then the other runs were more like just either just on my own or me and Nick and Ted or me and Nick and, um, you know, we're just getting it done. And, you know, grab a hotel the night before, Massanet and I car camped. I drove up there the night before and I just slept in my truck at the, at the start finish and got up and did it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as that, yeah. right. And then gear-wise, I think that was the other part of the question, right? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah gear-wise, really for me, the only thing different was uh what i was gonna wear like those early on races i knew at night uh, early morning it was gonna be like down in the teens so you know wear a pair of socks so i don't get frostbite <laughs> and you know 
extra <laughs> layers with me kind of thing. Um, but I'm a pretty, like I'm a ultralight backpacker. And so that translates in my trail running. I like my first aid kit is, um, Neosporin and sports tape. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's actually as far as what was in my pack for all the runs was the same. Uh, really the difference in gear was just the layers, the extra layers I needed for when it was going to be cold. Right on. Thank you. How about you, Sarah? What did you find? Yeah, same. I mean, there, one of the reasons that really drew me to this challenge was, um, financially um just like all the all the races are getting more expensive i mean just they have to to cover their costs which i understand but you know it doesn't make it more affordable for the rest of us um so yeah just not having to have a race fee is one of the main reasons that i i really wanted to take this on just to stick with adventures um I mean, I got, I got Airbnbs for three of them just because for my crew, um, I felt if I was going to drag them out for a weekend, I have to come follow me around that <laughs> and give them somewhere to stay. Um, but we could have easily just camped. Um, but I mean, even the Airbnbs, like a lot of these places are really remote. So you like even the Airbnbs are really cheap and affordable for really nice places, too. Um, in terms of gear, um, I had the same stuff for everything, except I screwed up on Pitchell and didn't bring my raincoat. And um, if if I didn't have Austin with me, and if he didn't have an extra poncho in his bag, I probably would have gotten hypothermia and had to drop, like, because it started raining as soon as we got to the base of Mitchell. And it was, it was dark and pouring rain and the wind... Um, wow. So yeah, I, I screwed up there, but he he saved my life with a poncho and I was able to finish. But yeah, um, everything was the same for all of them. Because even in the summer, like when it gets, I think it rained in pretty much all of my my runs, except for foothills. But all of them, as soon as you get dark and I get cold when I'm really tired, so it could be the middle of summer if it's dark and you know, the temperature drops a little bit and I've been sweating all day. Um, I know that I'm going to need some sort of coat just to keep the heat in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nick. So I just, I, I guess, I guess I kind of have a question for the three of you, like, you know, Sarah and Josh doing this now, and now you sign up for a regular trail race. Like you go to you go back to a fully supported uh, five course meal aid stations um, do you find yourselves packing like a lot of this stuff from the like the brutes challenges where you don't even stop at the aid stations anymore and you just kind of like yourself supporting yourself now beyond just brutes but at actual races too and I asked that to Aaron too because like from an aid station perspective how much do you guys now rely on the aid stations so I'm probably not like I'm a little bit um different in the fact but I've I've never really eaten a lot of the aid station food, just like dietary um, preferences, I guess. And so I I usually always rely on my own um, um, drop bags or or just carrying the food with me, regardless. Usually, like potato chips are a bonus at the aid stations. Like I'll <laughs> I'll grab potato chips or if they have the oranges, um, but that's usually 
what I get out of aid stations. Water refills. <laughs> yeah, water refills. <laughs> yeah, Nick, I don't, um, yeah, I don't, I all, I've always carry like backup food in my pack just in case, like I need something between aid stations anyway. Um, not a lot, but I still like stopping at the aid stations. Like every race I've ran this year, there's aid stations that have interesting things from the aid station that had chocolate covered marshmallows with pretzel sticks in them. And I was like, oh, I got to have some of that to <laughs> the aid stations that had the uh, salty water boiled hot dogs. <laughs> I was like, definitely <laughs> some of those. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I kind of love seeing what's at the aid stations and, and what looks appealing at that point in my race. I always eat something there. And, and you'll attest to Nick, of course, I'm a Coca-Cola addict and I have to load up on at least a liter or two of Coca-Cola at every aid station too. <laughs> I've just found that I can't rely on aid stations to have exactly what they say they're going to have. Um, and so I learned that pretty early on. So I carry, as much as I'm going to need. And then it's just a bonus if they have something at the aid station. Um, so yeah, I'd rather have than, you know, say like I get there and I'm totally surprised by the fact that they don't, <laughs> you know, I'm like, Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I'm a little bit more self-reliant and yourself. I think that's what, I think that's like that the, the take there is like this, this exercise and this, um, this experience, it, it does help you become self-reliant. Um, at least for me, it did. It helped me kind of realize as much as I, I think I do. And uh, if I gotta, you know, you've got your food and you, yeah, like you said, it's, it's just a bone to get there and there's something there. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, everybody okay on time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, with that said, you've all mentioned that you've had help, um, in in what forms did that come and you know you've mentioned that thank god there's was x y and z uh, you know there's there's groups like the virginia happy runners um you know that you can reach out to and such but um what were some resources that you used and and talk about the help that you you know you had um may need a, a second to think on it but does anybody want to go first yeah i i can start okay thanks josh so yeah, from the very beginning before, when I did Georgia Loop and didn't even know there was such a thing as Bruce Challenge, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even starting there, I was like, man, I'm going to go do this thing. I know when it's going to go into the night. Um, let me just see if my girlfriend would happen to want to drive around and follow me. <laughs> uh, so, so I could have some Coke along the way. And she's like, yeah, no, that sounds cool. And it was a lot of fun. So she's, she, graciously has been uh my support on all these runs um we're mostly we're talking we're talking soda though right yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. soda uh i discovered uh over the course of the year past year and a half that i really respond well to pierogies and pizza bites <laughs> all right on a run so those are warm and hot in the in the truck waiting for me when i come in <laughs> um so yeah i mean to me, I think that really made these runs possible for me, um, having that support. Um, 
And, and she has since learned that not everybody gets support like that. And now she tells me I'm the most spoiled trail runner in the country, <laughs> which is probably true. <laughs> uh, but I will say, I mean, even with the support, like SCAR, you, you have one chance for support at SCAR, really, at Newfound Gap. And sometimes not even then, right? So uh, in the course of doing these runs, you do get the opportunity to really have the true unsupported uh, running experience, for sure. And even to some degree, foothills, because you have that 32-mile section in Laurel Valley where nobody can really get to you. Right on. So that that was my support story. Just Sweet. having her out there with warm food and Coca Cola. <laughs> Way to expound upon that, <laughs> Coca Cola. <laughs> um, Sarah, uh, Nick, who wants to chime in? Yeah, I mean, I had um, I did two of these completely self-supported, or I guess unsupported is the proper term, um, where I just carried everything with me. And then the other three, um, Georgia Loop, I just had my husband and uh, his mom came and met us at, I think it was like 32 miles in, is the 60 crossing. Um, and my, my go-to is the, the Lotus Ramen soup is, is by far the most wonderful thing on, a, on the trail ever and always like completely revives me. Um, so had them waiting for that at mile 32. Um, and then same with, same with foothills. I'm, I'm usually good with going at least like a 50 K by myself, just carrying everything. Um, so Celia was waiting for me also with a cup of soup. Um, and same at Pitchell, um, Austin saved my life with soup and then that poncho at the end. Um, but yeah, I, I like to try to do these pretty much as minimal as possible like i'm really grateful like some of these i definitely couldn't i don't think i would have finished without without my crew um or at least it would have been a lot longer and horrible experience <laughs> for me but uh, um but yeah i like to try to go as far as i can just kind of on my own right on and, and nick um well i gotta think i gotta certainly thank my wife um for putting up with me because on one hand she's got to drive out there and support me. And then she's got to deal with my emotional, like six-year-old tantrums out there where something's not going right. And I'm just, you know, I'm throwing stuff around. And so got to absolutely, I'm very lucky to have her because she helped me a lot. And it's really hard for me. I, I, I am not the type of person that likes to ask for help. And it's even hard to even talk about it a little bit. Um, it's hard. And this, this challenge is tough. And I think it is a good indicator of how hard this challenge is when you got to ask for help. I did a couple of them unsupported and I realized pretty quickly on, it was going to be really hard to do this completely unsupported um, without some help. And um, I was lucky enough to uh, sync up with Josh and Ted, who did a couple of them with me. And I ended up um, friending a couple of folks at Mass Newton, uh, Fitz Brown, that ended up helping me get through it. And um, I had gotten through the first foothills with Hunter Hughes, who was able to run with me and just kind of keep me motivated. So I really don't think I would have been able to finish it without those individuals for sure. Like I, I want to say I could, but I don't think I could. I really don't. Right on. 
Aaron, um, Aaron yes, one more thing that that Nick just kind of touched on that did actually help me a lot too was if you can have other people to run with, you know, just like sharing that experience with somebody, that's um it makes it even more fun doing this challenge. Like I, I think the most fun I had on the runs was when I was with Nick and Ted. Um, my absolute favorite like picture that I took on the trail is a picture of me, Nick and Ted, at, uh, Charles Bunyan on Scar. It's just, <laughs> you know, we, we were just having a great time that whole run. Um, and it just made the miles fly by. Um, That's cool. And of course, yeah, I mentioned my girlfriend a lot, but Nick and his wife, Amanda, were out there uh, uh, for me, too, as well on Foothills, which was great. Awesome. Um, Sarah touched upon a mistake that almost cost her in uh, not having her, her rain jacket. Um, any other mistakes that you guys made that might be something that other folks should take into consideration? Well, I'll just toss it. It's right in the same vein as Sarah. Um, before I actually started Brutes, I went out to run uh, Georgia Loop just as a training run uh, the year before. And it was, I think, early October. You know, it was like 75 degrees when the day started. And by, you know, I was 10 miles from the end. <clears throat> and it was like one in the morning. And I just, I was so cold. I just couldn't keep going. And I hadn't brought anything. All I was wearing was my shorts and my t my short sleeve t-shirt. And that's all. I was like, I'm just going to do this. And I didn't even consider what the weather was going to be. So um, that was when like the first realization, I was like, oh, you have to actually like plan this stuff and think about <laughs> what's going to be happening while you're out there if you're going to actually do these things. So right. Right. yeah, just... You know, looking ahead, knowing what the weather is going to be, knowing, having an idea of what your timelines are. And so, like, understand where you're going to be in the run at what times and what that might mean as far as gear you need. Um, Perfect. Great. Um, anything, Nick? I mean, the cold weather is real. Heat exhaustion and cold weather is just, they're real. And um, if you don't respect it, you're going to find yourself on the other end of a very long, hard day. And, um, I didn't necessarily learn that at Brutes. I just, I learned that in trail running in general, but, um, I mean, you can get hypothermia when it's in the forties. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be 19 degrees outside to get dangerously cold. Um, and it doesn't need to be 112 degrees to get heat exhaustion. Um, you just, you gotta be careful and you gotta learn to listen to your body and figure out when, when to push it and when not to push it and know the you know, know that how the training goes into that in between so you can be prepared for it. So yeah, just, yep. just cold, cold and hot weather is real. I know. Any other thing you have, Sarah? Yeah, that pretty much covers it. It's just, I mean, Pitchell, I, I didn't even look at the weather until we were going out there and I was like, Oh, it's supposed to rain later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> guess that'll happen. <laughs> and still didn't even grab my raincoat or anything. I don't even know if I, I don't think I even brought it with me. I didn't like it. Pitchell was total last minute for me. Um, I was supposed to run Massanutten the week before and just switch it around. I'm like, I don't even know where I'm going. Just We're just doing this. So that's also <laughs> what I like about this challenge is like, 
I mean, you can get as into the data as as you want, um, but you can also just be like, all right, let's just do this and whatever happens, happens. And it's just makes for a fun adventure. But yes, being safe, always bring a raincoat, <laughs> something warm. <laughs> Good message there for sure. Um, so um, we we had a few questions here. Um, Nick came up with some good ones. Um, and you guys have all kind of mentioned somebody that you're thankful for. Um, so we mentioned who you're thankful to. Um, what are you thankful for having done this? The adventure. Yeah. Adventure. Nick adventure. Josh. Really getting out and seeing some uh, new trails like Foothills Trail had been on my bucket list for a while. I never really thought about when I'm going to get to go do it. I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. Like kind of forcing me to do it. So, yeah, definitely thankful that these trails are out there and man, that people are maintaining them for sure. I I went out and made a donation to all the trail associations last week <laughs> on this stuff. It's like yeah. this is just incredible what they're doing which is a, a good moment to just reflect and say that there are a lot of organizations that help maintain these trails and they're volunteer based. Um, I've got my own section of the mountains to see you guys, when you started coming down Pitchell and got into the Pisca parking lot, as soon as you went up those stairs, that was my section. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to see some of my handiwork um, and the club, the club does a lot on that section because there's just so much, you know, on Pitchell that's, that's a lot of trail, right? Point to point, same with foothills, um, scar on the AT, you know, so there's just a lot that goes into these trails. So if I could say anything to anyone listening is that the trails always need help. So reach out to your local organization and find out how you can help. There are work days, there are sections that need coverage. So, you know, reach out to those organizations. Um, and I'll try to put those in the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Just making my note. <laughs> All right. Um, Sarah also had a, a great question from her friend come in and said, what was recovery like for you guys? Um, the um, Talk about like not only what was it like, but how much recovery did you have in between each effort? You have a, a 365-day time limit, so it gives you, you know, we're talking about five courses here, so you can do the math of how much, how many days you can typically have in between, but what did that look like for you guys? Um, Sarah, since this question came in from you, why don't you talk about that first? Yeah, um, so I would say what I learned from this is that I can do like two months back to back, but if I try a third month, that's when I really like it's it's too much for me um, just to where I am in, in life right now. Like I did Foothills in February, I did GDR in March, and then going into SCAR in April. Um, I was struggling at SCAR, just mental. It was a lot of mental too. Just I'm like, I'm, why am I back out here doing this, this long <laughs> run again? And I, SCAR was also my first completely um, unsupported adventure I'd ever done. So it was, it was a lot to, to take on. And I think if I hadn't just done three, like that being my third, like back to back long adventure, um, I think I, I probably needed a little bit more time. Um, and then I took the summer off 
and then attacked uh, Hitchell in September and Massanutten in in October. And having I, there was like a month in between the two, and I think I think that was like a good good enough recovery and enough time to kind of like build back up into it. Um, but yeah, being done with Massanutten, I'm like, all right, I'm I'm good for a little bit. <laughs> I don't have anything till December. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, Josh, how about yourself? Um, I was just looking at the dates I did these things <laughs> because I, what I would have said, it, and it seems optimal for me having around six weeks between these types of runs. Uh, but at the beginning of the year, actually, when I did uh, Georgia Loop and Pitchell, those were training runs in prep for Cruel Jewel 100 that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so I actually did those pretty close together a month apart. So because I did Georgia Loop, uh, March, Pitchell in April, and then, of course, I did Cool Jewel in May. Um, and then had June off and did Scar in July, and then kind of started the six-week cycle after that. So um, that, worked, that worked well for me. I'm sure that has a lot to do with the base that I had built over the previous year and a half training up for cruel jewel um so i'm sure your mileage will vary as far as taking six weeks off between runs like that uh how did you feel going into cruel jewel though because that was pretty close to when you did pitchell because you did pitchell in april and then cruel jewel isn't that may yeah so it was only a couple weeks later it was it was about four weeks later yeah yeah i feel good i mean i Cruel Jewel is tough. Yeah. Um, I didn't have like a stellar time or anything, but I felt I felt good most of that race. Um, and like the last 20, 25 miles of that race, I was on fire. So uh, yeah, I felt good. Probably the I'm trying to think the it seemed like there was one of these runs where I kind of felt like, <laughs> do I really want to do this? But once I got <laughs> Yeah, once you get into it, it's like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> might yeah. have been, might have been the last foothills, actually. <laughs> it's just like, anyway. Yeah, I think knowing that it's your final one, that you're just kind of like, all right, let's just get this over with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, oh, and and actually, yeah. So I did. Yeah, and I did. Um, Mass and Nutton. On Labor Day weekend, and then the next weekend, I ran two fifty k's back to back in Colorado. Ooh. On Sunday, well, Saturday, well, day off. Saturday took Sunday off, and then went on Monday. So, and I don't know. It all it all felt good. I think it's about your base. And for yourself, Nick. I'm not qualified to answer this. I mean, look at Josh, man. He goes out there, he runs Cruel Jewel. He's running in Colorado. He's doing these things. Like, I'm not even qualified to like answer this. I mean, I I I got lucky and finished, and I'm happy about it. I, I mean, from a recovery standpoint, I, I agree. I mean, if you've got the base and you're running, you know, 45, 50 miles a week, and that's just your training and that's what you're used to. I mean, these are probably just hard weekends for you. They're just they're really hard weekends for you if you've got the training base. If you now if you go out there, you haven't been running for a while, 
it's going to hurt. <laughs> it's going to take a long time to recover. So it, I think it's all about your training load. And uh, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm not really qualified. I think, you know, Sarah and Josh are like way beyond me in terms of like the mileage that they're putting in. So. Well, you know, it, it, just for, for those that do this sort of activity, it's, it's really what you do the days after, you know, that really makes the difference of how you're going to recover moving forward. Um, so make sure you're taking those days right after you finish seriously, you know, and making sure that you're, you're not doing too much, that your nutrition's on point, your hydration's on point, your, you know, sleep is on point because that's, what's going to lead forward. And, you know, to give you good recovery, um, is that first week. Uh, and that's what I found during the grand slam is that that first week after the hundred miler, I mean, you know, four hundreds in four months, it's, it's a lot on the body. And if I took care of myself, you know, I recovered extremely well. Um, nice. You know, it's like, but, um, you know, if you do stupid stuff in between, you know, if life happens, which it, you know, it did during the Grand Slam, but <laughs> it's, you notice it, right? So it's just being careful and, and taking care of yourself um, and just giving yourself that time in between that you need, you know, and not forcing it. So um, it's, it's, it's definitely a good conversation to have with your friends, if you have a coach, talk to the coach about it, but, you know, put the idea past them because <laughs> you may think it's a good idea in your head, <laughs> but somebody else may be like, yeah, I don't know if that's the greatest idea. And they might put that little bit of doubt in your head that starts you thinking otherwise, and that might be a good thing. So, um, but yeah, thank you guys for sharing all that. Um, very good. Uh, is there anything that you guys have on the list of questions that we didn't touch on that you would like to touch on? I have to ask, I have to ask, what did y'all use for water filters? Cause that seemed to be for me, like the difference between 10 minutes and freaking an hour, depending <laughs> on how your water filter worked. I do the, the Katadin be free. Um, but yeah. I just make sure that I, it, it can be really long if you don't pre-wet it. Um, mm -hmm. so I, like I made that mistake. Luckily I, I, I thought about it right before I started the run. And so I put some of the water from my bladder into the the filter and then just had it upside down so that it would like pre-soak the filter. Um, okay. But yeah, I always make sure that I, I fill it up the night before just to get the filter wet. Because if you try, if you get to a stream and that thing's dry, you're not filtering water for at least 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I had... Um the sire squeeze and I just put it in line with my bladder to my drinking tube. So I have a bladder I have just for dirty water. So I just straight into the Creek with that bladder, fill it up and can go straight back to running. Interesting. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. I, I ended up doing the, the be free as well. The cat and be free. And then I had that problem with the filter. So yeah. then I switched the Hydropax version of the Be Free. And um I just have both of them now just because I ran into that issue with the with the Be Free. And I ended up like just beating the heck out of it with like a rock outside of the trip trying to get to run water <laughs> through it. So I wish I would have known that trick. Yeah, as long as long as you just pre-soak it like with some fresh water before. Or I mean, even if any any sort of water you just get it wet beforehand wish wish, wish i would have known that on run number two so thanks sarah <laughs> <laughs>
Fantastic. Anything else you guys want to touch on? Aaron, I'd, I'd love to hear what people have planned for next year. Sure. Yeah. Um, Nick, you want to start us off? Um, I am, first of all, right now I'm taking a little bit of a break. Um, I'm a, I'm a race director for a local race down here. That's my way of giving back. Josh talked about like trail maintenance and doing work for the trails. And so I'm, I'm a big believer in that too. So being able to give that back is really important to me. So I'm focused on that right now. And then which race is that? What's it's the pine mountain trail race down in pine mountain, Georgia. Cool. Um, so we're, we're working on that right now. Um, kind of putting all my passion into that. And then, uh, next year, um, I am, I've got enough tickets for Western States. We're going to see what happens in December. That's going to fingers have crossed a for huge you, man. impact on how I think <laughs> it's going to have a huge impact on how I train. I'm sure. Um, I'm signed up for rim to river next year. Um, really looking forward to going up there and doing that race. And then, um, I, I a lot of my planning for next year is just around speed, trying to get that kind of dialed in a little bit, maybe see if I can get a little bit of that back. So cool. Uh, kind of a recovery year, I think for me. So we'll see how it goes. Miss Sarah? Uh, I'm going to do Cruel Jewel 100 in nice. May. And then um, kind of debating. I was debating on Pinhoti in November or um, just trying to. I've, I've wanted to do the Bartram Trail for years now. Um, it's 118 miles. And so I, I may just... Um, do that instead of a, an official race so let's see i like it yeah the barter loop up in north carolina is a cool little weekend run to do it's like 54 55 miles bartram trail hooks up the at to make a loop yeah so this it would st bartram starts in south carolina like the border um and then goes up through north carolina and i forget i'm blanking on the the mountain it starts with a p that it ends that, um, but yeah, it would it would be that section too. I think we all blanked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Josh? <laughs> well, <clears throat> my plans are kind of up in the air, but since I did Cruel Jewel One Hundred, I have been informed that I must apply to like every lottery possible now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh hard rocks on the radar don't know if i'll get in probably won't get in um ultra grand slam is also something a bucket list item that i really want to do um and i'll start trying to do that this year we'll see how that works out um and something that's probably actually doable that i'll get to do this year is uh rim to rim to rim which i've never done before very cool i'm doing planning that for 2025 okay yeah right on and also, I'm running Pine Mountain. Figured I'd throw that. <laughs> yeah, <out there>. yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the party. December. <laughs> awesome, um, Sarah. What's the best way for people to connect with you? Um, man, I guess um, I really I use Facebook only for updates from from you and and other <laughs> races. Um, um, so Facebook isn't always the best way, but I guess, uh, or I guess I do get the messages. Yeah. Facebook or, or Instagram. Okay. 
Uh, I have those, so I'll put those in the show notes. Josh? Yeah, probably uh, Instagram is probably the best way. My handle is at Nunez Josh. And no dot, just Nunez Josh. I believe that's correct. I'll double check it and I put it in the show notes. Of my <laughs> <laughs> and I Nick, I can look up yours too. Is it? Please, uh, if you don't mind, I don't even know yeah. what it is. I'm on is Facebook it, and Instagram. I don't know too many Schusters, though, so that's. <laughs> is, and which way is the best? Is it Facebook, Instagram, or both? Uh, both is fine. Yeah. Okay, all right. I will put all of that in the show notes. Uh, I will double check everybody's. Uh, <laughs> and uh and get that thank on there very thank cool. you for having us on like this was absolutely awesome i mean i i really struggled with this one um so it's kind of therapy a little bit <laughs> getting through this and getting to talk to some other folks that have done this and i, I I'd, I'd love to hear if anyone else does it or if anyone else has done it in the past I, yeah. i'd love to hear those stories because i just uh yeah well i think it's I'll awesome what you're doing thank you yeah. Uh, well, Sarah connected all of us. It was her idea to have all thank of us you, together. So Sarah, thank you for connecting all of us. Um, Natalie Daniels, uh, I did two episodes with Natalie. Uh, one was after she had finished either two or three of the Brutes Challenge runs. And then the second episode is with Charles, um, the creator of the Brutes Challenge, and Natalie after she had finished it off. So I'll put those in the show notes. So if you want to hear the Natalie story, that's that's there. Um, but thank you and congratulations to all of you. Um, really cool challenge to accomplish. So, um, and thanks for sharing your stories. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having us on. Well, thank you, Sarah, Josh, and Nick for coming on and talking about your experience with the Brutes Challenge. And congratulations once again for finishing such a challenge. Um, as I said, I have one more athlete in process that's trying to complete the uh, the Brutes Challenge. He should finish it um, next March, I believe, March or April. Uh, he should be done with it. So uh, if all goes well, uh, obviously there's anything can happen with that, as I kind of talked about with my experience with the Brutes Challenge. Uh, it's not to say that I won't make another attempt to do it. I really want to do this challenge. Um, they're all loops that I would love to complete, and I think it's a cool way to do it. So uh, thank you guys for the inspiration. Uh, it's really cool. So appreciate it once again, and congrats once again. Uh, here in the world of uh, running is life, man, um, Winter track, as I record this, November 1st, is uh, is starting up. So, you know, a quick, brief little break between the cross-country season uh, and uh, an indoor track. And I'm excited to see these guys. Uh, it's been since spring track since I've seen many of them. Uh, so really excited to get back and see some of these high schoolers and get back to, to coaching indoor track. Um and um, other than that, I'll be volunteering at Shut In this weekend. So if you're running Shut In, uh, that's uh, November 4th. Um, hopefully I'll see you out there. I'll be at the uh, Stony Ridge uh, aid station, uh, the pull-off on the Blue Ridge Parkway. So hope to see you out there. If you see me, um, say hey. Uh, I'd love to, to say hi and you know, cheer you on your way. Uh, this year's Shut In is a little bit long. The new finish line down at the... Uh, um, what is it? The uh, Wolf Ford uh, campground. So, um, man, it's going to be a, a new challenge for the runners. Um, definitely a bit longer and a bit tougher coming down uh, technical trail in Pilot Cove. So good luck to all those runners. Um, then the following weekend, I'm heading, um, helping Natalie Daniel 
<clears throat> she's doing uh, her own self-made 200 miler. So uh, Teresa Bowser and I, um, Teresa and Natalie are both former guests of the podcast, and two of my athletes uh, will be um, will be closing it out with Natalie. So we're going to meet Natalie up at Pisgah and run her into the finish. We've got about thirty something odd miles with her. I'm going to pace from Pisgah to Black Balsam, and then Teresa is going to bring her home, and I will uh, crew from the for the last portion. So excited for Natalie. And then the weekend after that, which would be the 18th, is the Looking Glass 100K. I've got a ton of athletes racing that as well. And I'll be volunteering up at the, uh, I think it's the Buck Springs Aid Station up near Pisgah. It's about mile 42 in the race. Uh, crewing. Um, and uh, that's, I think you can pick up pacers there. So um, excited for that. Excited for that opportunity. So good bit of uh, busyness here in November. Lots going on. Lots of races. Uh, Rim to Rivers this weekend coming up. Um, I, I wish all the runners uh, well. I've got a number of runners in that race as well. So really busy time. Uh, really enjoying seeing all these athletes doing all these amazing things. Um, congrats to Tony McDermott. Uh, Tony is one of my athletes. He just broke 24 hours at the Javelina um, the 100 miler and man what a grit uh, just true grit to to break 24 on that one so super proud of tony congratulations to him lots of cool stuff going on man um just so many cool um people racing um sherry mccode she uh is one of my athletes and just pr'd by a minute in the um Marine Corps 50K. So just turning out some awesome results this fall. Um, really happy for everybody. Uh, New York coming up real quick too. New York uh, City Marathon this weekend. Uh, another another race. I've got quite a few athletes running. So my my best to all that are running the New York City Marathon. So man, just like I said, busy time of year, and I'm excited. Uh, I got Thanksgiving coming up as well. Uh, I'm going to do a turkey trot with my family. I promised my daughter I'd run with her. Uh, so, you know, we're going to run a 5K. Um, and so far as my training goes, I am still in um, base mode and working zone two, zone three, trying to stay primarily zone two, a um, little bit of zone three. But, uh, you know, I went out and ran yesterday and paces are coming down. I'm starting to see kind of that uh, sub nine minute uh, high zone two, which is, um, you know, very encouraging, starting to get that aerobic base back. Um, you know, and I noticed that if I'm running too hard, when typically when I run with my wife, I'm running a little too hard and the heart rate gets a little too high. I noticed that it is not very sustainable. Uh, my heart rate does not want to recover, even if I slow down very well. So um, just need to keep building that aerobic base and getting, you know, building up my mitochondria, uh, and developing more capillaries to the muscles so that more oxygen can get to them. You know, that's the primary function of the base training. And if you're not doing yourself that service of just going slow and easy in your base, um, you know, you're, you're missing out on some fitness that you could have later on. So potential to do, um, better in your interval training, uh, really good conversation on trail runner nation. Uh, we're my athletes and I are actually going to discuss that in our Zoom call this evening. Um, but I will put that um, podcast episode in the show notes uh, so you can listen and hear from Dr. Marco Cazella about uh, you know mitochondria and their importance and what they do. Um, kind of goes into more of a deep dive of what I'm talking about right now and why the base is so important. As we finish up our, our goal races um, you know, for the year, good to take that break. You know, as I said, I took a month off after um, – 
after uh, Wasatch, took a complete month off and rest, and then um, you know just started building back slowly. Uh, you can see me on Strava, so you can follow along on Strava. I'm trying to post on Strava a little bit more in the description as to what I'm up to, what I'm doing. Um, I, I started doing um, – I walk my dog every morning, but I've also added a weighted vest to that just to get a little bit more core strength and work on, on strength training. Um, you know, st- I continue to do strength training. You'll see that I've, I've got two strength workouts a week. I'm doing a mobility routine, uh, which Jesse Fuller uh, – you can check out Jesse – on uh, Instagram, I'll put Jesse in the the show notes. Um, so I'm working on mobility. I'm working on strength, um, and uh, um, I've added drills, form drills back. Uh, so and if you see these things on um, you know on Strava, and you want to know what what the warm up is or what the uh, the drills look like, um, I can I can send you guys uh, YouTube links. Um, I probably could could do that each day. It just takes a little more time, but um, happy to answer those questions. So if you see me post something and you've got a question, just leave a comment, ask, or direct message me. You know, um, all my communications are in the show notes. Feel free to reach out. Um, if you have questions about coaching, you know, again, reach out. Uh, you can check out my website, runningslife.run. Uh, you know, it kind of talks about my coaching, my style, what I do, how I do it. Um, but happy to have a conversation with you and talk about coaching if you're interested uh, as you look towards 2024. You know, as uh, as this training builds up, my, my goal race is Hellbender 100 in May. Um, super excited for that. Just want to stay healthy. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm focused on everything. You know, it's, it's really important right now for me just to, to create those habits um, and, and, you know, kind of force the time. And, and kind of what I've recognized is that, um, you know, I, I need to um, – get that done. And then, um, you know, that being, um, my warm ups, my drills, my run, my lifting, get that done and then get into, um, my work for the day. That way it's not on my mind. Uh, you know, you may have a different time of day. It works out for you, but carve out that time, you know, recognize that it is that part of the day that's essential to you. Um, cause we don't feel good when we miss something, you know, um, I know it's tough, uh, you know, it's tough to carve out that time. Um, I've typically just been waking up a little bit earlier just to, um, organize myself, you know, answer emails, um, you know, to record the podcast, etc. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I'm still focusing on my sleep, making sure that I'm getting enough sleep. I just go to bed, you know, perhaps a little bit earlier. Um, you know, could I do the converse? Could I stay up a little later? I could, I'm just not a night person. I know I function better in the morning. So again, just kind of think about who you are and what serves you best. Um, but, um, but yeah, just carving that niche out of the day and recognizing it's, you know, it's kind of a, a, a big part of your day. You're probably a better person and a happier person after you get your workout in and get it done. Um, you know, and, and these active warmups and, and strength, they're, you know, they're important. Uh, if you have a day where it's like, uh, you know, I could do this, like, you know, 30 minute or four mile easy run. Yeah, that's, that's a poor part of the training, but you know, instead, if you could throw in a weight session that might benefit you more depending on your goal and depending on what you're training for. So, um, but you know, again, it's a good conversation to have with, uh, with a coach, um, with, you know, a training partner, bounce these ideas off of people and see what they think. Okay. So anyway, um, that's what I got for today. Again, thanks to Sarah, Josh, and Nick for coming on. I really appreciate you guys in the conversation and the time. Uh, you know, again, we could probably you know, continue that conversation at some point and hear more about the uh, um, 
the Bruce Challenge. Um, you can go back and listen to Natalie and Charles' conversation as well. Um, I'll post their conversations in the show notes. The show notes are going to be pretty packed, <laughs> a lot of stuff to uh, disseminate here. Coming up, um, I've got a podcast with uh, Coach um, Faith Raymond, and Coach Faith Raymond is an amazing coach. She is just um, very, very smart, very intelligent, very science-based, um, and she talks to us about uh, the, the female menstrual cycle and how that affects females and um, and their training. And so it's not just a conversation for females, but if you're interested in coaching, definitely, a, you know, a have a listen, uh, whether you're male or female, it's definitely something that, uh, that can help all of us learn and be better coaches. So stay tuned for that conversation. I'm also recording next week with Paul Terranova. Paul is uh, just, gosh, he's probably, you know, one of the guys that I look up to just because at, uh, at an older age, he continues to just perform at a high level in ultras and i'm just like in awe of what he does he just completed the rocky mountain slam which consisted of hard rock leadville wasatch and the bear four incredibly hard races and most of them at a higher altitude Um, paul lives in twin lakes outside of leadville colorado uh, with his wife meredith turnover who was just on the podcast uh, and talked about like my goof ups in nutrition so um, what an amazing couple i'm excited to talk to paul i think paul's awesome and incredible and um, like i said looking forward to that conversation as well so some cool stuff coming up some cool uh, episodes if you yourself have an idea or a question that you want to hear about on a podcast reach out. Let me know. Uh, Happy to answer questions on the podcast or have you on the podcast to talk about things. So reach out. Um, happy to have those conversations. Um, lastly, thank you to my Patreon supporters. Uh, Patreon is just um, a wonderful way to help everybody that is doing uh, podcasts that is on Patreon, help them keep doing what they're doing. Uh, you can do a dollar a month, whatever you know you can afford. Uh, if, if this is valuable to you, um, the, you know, the donation is greatly appreciated. It helps uh, make this uh, worth my time to do. Uh, you know, that I can be sustainable. There are expenses that come along with this. So I, I really do appreciate my Patreon supporters. Um, and if you can't support on Patreon, uh, you know, maybe just leave a review or share it with a friend that that helps as well getting this podcast out there. So um, I thank you all for listening. I thank you for being a part of this, um, you know, and being a part of the running is life, uh, the family. And, you know, until next time, just keep moving forward, my friends.